in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. now 106 good afternoon you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com on this delightful and it's actually pleasant weather folks uh that was again more heavy rain that we experienced last night but this is a very enjoyable look at this 64 degrees very enjoyable nice sunshine and then it looks like whoa as you just heard the forecast wednesday thursday Friday, Sandy, wow, very, very nice weather continues. You know, I'm also glad for the people that are out campaigning, the people that are out campaigning because uh, you need, obviously, good weather. And um, and tonight is the CD2 debate. Now, I want to get to some of the sound that is out there. And the um, I'll tell you, the, the McKee people, folks, they are trying to run out the clock. And they are just panicked against. But but I I also want to be very clear that is it a race? I don't know. Is it a race? Is is the race for governor a race? Or do we want it to be a race? It has the makings for a race. I am told that. It is down to a single-digit race. And Governor McKee, by the way, is acting as though it's a single-digit race. He is trying to take the air out of the ball. He is what I've been told. They're going to limit the number of appearances he's going to do. He has no debate this week. And let me just check the... Hold on. I want to just check the calendar. So there's no debate this week for Governor I'm right. And there's no debate next week. So for the next two weeks, Governor McKee has no debates. He's not debating Ashley Kalis. As a result of that, he's expected that he's going to he's going to lay pretty low. Now, I want to hear how both Channel 10 and Channel 12, how they're handling the stories on this super scam building, which is what it is. It's totally unnecessary. It's ridiculous. Um, Or maybe I'll, you know what, hold on. On second thought, I want to play the Channel 12 story about the test scores. I'll play both. But Channel 12, they are the ones that broke the fact. They're the ones that broke it. That, I I don't know how else is it. Governor, Governor McKee was beyond disingenuous with what the situation is with the test scores. And he's trying to defend it, but I'm not convinced he's doing a good job on defending himself on this. So, and and what's more important is the way he's conducting himself and they're trying to hold on to the information. So let me hear, this is the 
Channel 12 piece that and they the says, have. Rhode Island Department of Education will get the RICAS standardized test scores out when they're ready, denying that scores are being held until after the election. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Montecalvo. And I'm Kim Kaluni. And McKee's pushback comes after Target 12 reported on Friday that the test vendor says it has already delivered the scores to Rhode Island. Target 12 investigator Tali Taylor talked to McKee and his challenger, Ashley Kalis, today. He joins us now live in studio with the new details. Tali? We're now learning the RICAS scores were given to Ride on September 12th, more than a month ago. But education officials say they need more time to validate the data before releasing it. After Rhode Island public school students in grades 3 through 8 took the RICAS standardized test in the spring, the Rhode Island Department of Education set October as a tentative release date for the scores. On Friday, private vendor Cognia told Target 12 they already delivered the scores to Ride, saying, quote, the delay is not on our end. Ride spokesperson Victor Morenti tells Target 12 the scores were delivered on September 12th this year, compared to August 25th last year. He says the Education Department's data team is still validating and finalizing the score. I have confidence in Ride to get the information out when it's ready. Governor Dan McKee doubling what down today, mean? saying there's no connection between the timing of the November 8th election and the planned release Absolutely of the Ridecast scores in mid-November. No one His believes Republican that. Republican challenger November's election, Ashley Kalis, zeroing in today on McKee's recent comments that he meets with Ride Education Commissioner Angelica Fonte green twice a week. If she needed support, I'm sure that would have come up during a twice-a-week meeting right. uh, that, about the fact that she was short-staffed. Yep. If it did come up and the governor did nothing to help, that is also someone who is not fit to lead. McKee today saying he's ready to help if Ride asks for it. If Ride needs a, a additional help and they can't do it internally, then they, if they call us, no, then we certainly uh, try oh to Oh, my God. The head of the Rhode Island Ridiculous. Association of School Principals tells Target 12 principals have had their school scores for, quote, a couple of weeks. He says the information is embargoed while principals double-check all the students' names. You can read much more from Ride's statements on WPRI.com. With the Target 12 investigators, I'm Tolly Taylor, 12 News. I mean, how long does that take that the schools have it? I'll tell you what's about to happen is some principal is going to, the media is going to get the scores. The media is going to get the scores. And they're going to get it before the, you know, before the McKee people release it. And then they're going to look foolish. But this is a self-inflicted error. Self-inflicted mistake. All right, let's hear the latest now on the super scam building that is taking place. We'll start off with the Channel 10 piece on this. And then I also want to hear, um, I think they may have something. I think Channel 10 may have something on... The okay, here we go. Oh, Frank Carpano. Here we go. Building is charging high rents for the tallest building in the state. Sure are. Studios as high as $2,200 a month. Yeah, that's a city council finance committee approved millions of dollars in tax breaks for the developers renovating the Superman building. And the night team's Leanna Falk was there. She joins us now live with the details. Leanna. Yeah, this $200 million project could bring more than a 1,000 jobs and a couple hundred housing opportunities. Some residents argue it's not the right fit for downtown. Others say it's just what they need. Eyes have it. Motion carries. The matter passes. 
A big a night joke. for the Superman building on Monday. The Council Finance Committee voting unanimously in favor of a tax stabilization agreement. It gives developer High Rock Development a significant discount for the next 30 years, worth $29 million. 1,600 direct construction jobs. 20% which are going to be women and minority owned business contractors. No, Councilman John Gonsalves represents Ward 1 which includes the jewelry district and downtown Providence where the building is located. It's going to really revitalize our downtown. No, it's, not. it's going to benefit uh, everyone in the city. So how much would it cost to live in the Superman building? These renderings from High Rock price some studios as high as $2,200. A one bedroom, $3,000. Two bedroom. 3,700. Oh the developers High Rock have been applauded for allotting 20% of its units for low-income residents. Those range in rent from 1,300 to 2,000. And if I'm not mistaken, it's seventy thousand um, dollars. I've never made anything remotely close to seventy thousand dollars a year in my life. Our downtown has no culture in it. All it has is bars, banks, and privilege. Yep. The hearing brought a large crowd of union workers in support of the project, including Alvin Reyes with Local 99, a local labor union representing electrical engineers. Yeah, they want it. Like these help us be able to cross over to the middle class. Labor unions and construction cross workers over. stand to make a lot of money. Five thousand a month. I want to be able to work in these projects, get a good earned living, and be able to reinvest back into my community. Councilman yeah, Gonzalez says it's money. up to developers to determine which construction teams are chosen for the project. It's a no-bid contract. That will go to the city council for their that guy's Their next meeting is scheduled for this Thursday. Reporting live in Providence, Leanna Falk, NBC 10 News 19. I mean, again, I'm not faulting the story on NBC 10. The way that the proponents of it. See, I'm an electrician. So if you do this $220 million job, I'm going to be able to... I'm going to make a lot of money, and then that way I can I can spend it. Oh, we don't have audio on that. In uh, Utah, boy, that got really, really heated last night. Let me see if I can. Um, hold on, folks. Bear with me. One sixteen. It's one sixteen on this Tuesday. Let me see if I can find that. Some of these, uh, here we go. I think this is it. Oh, okay, here we go. And I think you knew how. Here we go. But for you to this talk is about the, the importance of the le- Let me just explain. This guy is running as an independent, but he's really a Democrat. Here we go. Electoral college, I think, is rich. I think you, you know exactly how important it is. And I think you knew how important it was when you sought to urge the White House that had lost an election to find fake electors to overturn the will of the people. Senator Lee, that was the most egregious betrayal of our nation's constitution in its history by a U.S. senator, I believe, and it will be your legacy. Senator Lee is still casting doubt. Please. Look, I... Ladies and gentlemen, you just took about seven or eight minutes away from the candidates. We're here to hear them. Senator Lee, 
You advised spurious so-called legal efforts to mislead tens of millions of Americans that the election had been stolen. And congratulations, you succeeded. As recently as this year, and even tonight, you're still casting doubt on the legitimacy of the election. No, you're, doing a, you're doing a tremendous disservice to this country, Senator Lee. You have betrayed your oath to the Constitution with this. Wow. It is a... And for this state, Utah, that was founded by people like my ancestors and yours, who sacrificed greatly to finally realize true freedom, for you to represent this state and to cast away, to abandon, to throw away 14 generations of America. Oh, be quiet. The guy is a um, Evan McMullen. He's a, uh, a Democrat, though. He, he pretends that he is, in fact, that he is, in fact, um, an independent, but he's he's actually he's actually a a Democrat. So tonight I'm reading um, two channels will carry tonight's debate. You can watch on Channel 12 and then the CW Providence for uh, FiOS subscribers. So you know I I feel for Channel 12. Um, those guys put a lot into it. It is it's 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 out of their hands, right? There's there's nothing that they can can do about it um that that's there's nothing they can do about it so all right i want to hear um channel 12 has been pretty aggressive going after the superman building uh the the rents are just ridiculous now i also want to be clear some of the people that are going along with it what they're going to do is they're going to be given a cheaper apartment that they can live there. So, and I wouldn't rule out like that John Gonzalez or whoever the hell he is. But here's the uh, Channel 12 report on the Superman building. I want to hear this. City Council Committee on Finance voting unanimously tonight to approve millions of dollars in tax breaks for the Superman building. The deal would give developers High Rock a 30-year tax break on the tower that's been sitting vacant for 10 years. The proposal is to turn the skyscraper into a 285-unit residential apartment building. And tonight, folks didn't hold back on their opinions on the plan. 12 News reporter Amanda Pitts joins us now from the capital city with both sides Amanda. of the debate. Amanda. Very nice. This was the first and likely only time the public got to weigh in on this project yep. at City Hall. Those for the project say the economic impacts, adding jobs and housing, speak for itself. But as we saw for the first time what these rents will be, those against it say these apartments are not affordable. No. The time to fix the home in downtown is now. With the Superman building looming in the background, the Providence City Council Finance Committee voted unanimously Monday to give a $29 million property tax break over 30 years to High Rock, the developer aiming to convert the long vacant high-rise into apartments. This building is iconic, and the fact that it's been sitting there dormant is symbolic. That's Among those for the tax stabilization agreement, Mayor Jorge Alorza and incoming Mayor Brett Smiley. Smiley's saying while he worked in former Governor Gina Raimondo's administration, they couldn't get anyone else to move in. We could never actually land one of those corporate tenants. A line to enter the right, hearing wrapped around City Hall. Inside, there were plenty climate. against the plan. for it. Union workers filled the gallery cheering for those who spoke in favor of the deal. 
According to the developers, the project would add 1,600 construction jobs over the next two years and hundreds of permanent jobs. To have the opportunity to work downtown in the city of Providence on a project this big, it'll put money on people's tables. For the first time, High Rock has disclosed what these apartments could cost renters. The affordable housing units range from $1,384 to $2,076. And the rest of the units range from just over $2,000 to rent a studio and as much as $5,200 to rent a three-bedroom. That's what those against this plan take issue with. This is gentrification. Segregation yep. all over again. That's again, right. this was the last opportunity for the public to make a comment on this tax deal. This measure will now go to the full city council for approval. In Providence, Amanda Pitts, 12 News. Very nice report by Amanda Pitts. Folks, good um good afternoon. Right now at 122. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. I want to hear a little bit of some of the national sound. It, it sure seems as if that this big, you know, the Democrats are coming back and the red wave is not happening. Boy, no one seems to believe that anymore. That is not seemingly happening right now. It seems to be going back the other way. And a big part of that is obviously... Um, the recession. I want to hear they had the um, the governor's debate faced off different views of the state. This is Good Morning America on that Georgia gubernatorial debate. I want to hear a little bit of this. Heated rematch four years in the making. Republican Governor Brian Kemp taking the debate stage against his Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams pitching two radically different visions for the future of Georgia. Georgia Republican Governor Brian Kemp facing off against the Democrat he barely beat four years ago, Stacey Abrams. Ms. Abrams is going to lie about my record because she doesn't want to talk about her own. The most dangerous thing facing Georgia is four more years of Brian Kemp. Kemp defended his record, pointing to his decision to reopen schools and businesses during the pandemic, repeatedly tying Abrams to President Joe Biden. She supports these policies that have raised taxes on hardworking Americans and Georgians when they promised they would not. And then there was this moment, a contentious clash over crime and gun policy, including a bill Kemp signed into law that allows Georgia residents to carry a handgun without a license. There's a federal background check on every individual that buys a firearm in the United States of America. Well, the point, I understand the, the point you're making, but the point is, when you buy a firearm, you get a background check. Mr. Kemp, none, right. none of the laws Mr. changed. Mr. Two, Kemp, if you purchase a weapon in Georgia through a gun sale or a private this is a very important topic to me, and I apologize for my outburst. The debate Whoa. taking place as early voting gets underway in Georgia, a state that could also decide which party controls the Senate. Voters will decide between Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and Republican Herschel Walker. The staunch anti-abortion candidate still denies allegations he paid for a woman's abortion. Now acknowledging for the first time, he did give a $700 check to his ex-girlfriend, but he couldn't say what the money was for. Some Republican voters told us they still support him. I had to go with Herschel Walker, which was basically just a, a vote against Warnock. You know, if I had to choose the lesser of two, so that's what I did. 
With just three weeks until Election Day, the attacks turning personal. An Ohio Senate debate, a bitter clash between Democratic Congressman Tim Ryan and Republican venture capitalist J.D. Vance. This is why J.D. Vance, with all due respect, is a fraud. And in a tense exchange, Ryan accused Vance of pushing racist beliefs. You are so desperate for political power that you'll accuse me, the father of three beautiful biracial babies, of engaging in racism. You can believe in a border without being a racist. You can never talk about your family. So I try to spin this because you don't want to talk about the fact that you're with the extremists and that belief... The stakes here are just so high, so let's talk about where things stand. Our, five, our friends at 538 say that Democrats are more favored to hang on to the Senate. But if Republicans win the Senate race right here in Georgia, their odds of flipping the Senate go up to 64%. And if they win that Ohio Senate race as well, it goes up to 73%. With margins this close, every single race matters, Michael. You know, that is exactly right. Folks, good afternoon. Right now, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's 126 on this Tuesday. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program, you know, this is still a good time of year. You have this month, next month, and an early part of December. Why not get your driveway paved? Call J. Perry Paving today. Folks, J. Perry Paving, they do a fantastic job and they'll pave your driveway. High quality, fair pricing, Exceptional service, 20 years experience, free estimate for any project, 401-732-1730. 401-732-1730, letter J, J. Perry Paving. Licensed and insured contracted company, committed to meeting their clients' needs. Brand new paving project, just a cracked driveway. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, J. Perry Paving. Call them right now. If you can hear my voice... Call them for a free quote, 401-732-1730. Now, the Today Show, Steve Kanaki, he did a piece on where things stand with these midterm elections. He paints a little bit of a different picture with three weeks to go. Let's hear. Here we go. Early voting Rhode Island starts tomorrow. On the minds of voters, major issues like the economy, crime, abortion rights, and... National political correspondent Steve Kornacki is here with some of the things we're watching three weeks out. And let's start right there with the issues that voters say matter to them and what that's telling us about what might happen here in these elections. Yeah, interesting, Savannah. We've talked so much all year about the economy and inflation being important issues. How about this? This is a New York Times poll, brand new here, asking voters what's the top issue on your mind this election. I haven't seen it this dramatic in a poll. Add the economy and inflation together. That is 44%. We're getting close to half of all responses. Respondents in this poll saying that's their top issue. Nothing else even cracks 10% right now. And we've talked about the Republicans when it comes to the economy and inflation having a pretty clear advantage in the polls. And that brings us to the next question on the poll. They call it the generic ballot. You know, they just ask, would you like a Republican or a Democrat to control Congress? And there's been some movement here. Yeah, and typically this has been a pretty good indicator of where things end up in midterm elections. So this is the average of the generic ballot right now. And you can see the Republicans with a lead here. That is a 2.2 point lead for Republicans. Now, as close, generally speaking, but we were here a week ago taking you through the generic ballot, and a week ago, this number was inside of one point. You had that inflation news over the last week, certainly didn't help the Democrats, and it does seem that as the economy moves to center stage, 
Republicans are improving their chances here. And a few weeks ago, it was the Democrats who had the advantage there. So you see the momentum in these final weeks. Let's talk about the issue of crime. Not high on the list of voters' concerns, and yet it seems to be making an impact in certain races. It's fascinating because we showed you the top issue voters have. Crime doesn't rate high there. Doesn't mean it's not on their mind. So let's show you a place where I think it is having an impact. This is Wisconsin, one of the key Senate races. Ron Johnson, two-term Republican incumbent. He leads in the polling average over his Democratic challenger. Now, Johnson has been leading heavily on crime. Interesting poll that came out of Wisconsin this week. They asked things a little bit differently. They basically asked, are these issues important to you? That's what's being asked here. Inflation tops the list, but look at crime. Hmm. It's close to 90%, and I think also striking, abortion is under 80%. Republicans running heavily on crime, Democrats running heavily on abortion, and it looks like in this Wisconsin race, crime may have more resonance than abortion does. Making a big difference in Pennsylvania's Senate race as well, it appears. But let's talk about Georgia, because it may just be Georgia, 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 to quote our friend Tim Russert. That might be the, the decision maker in terms of who controls Congress. Yeah, I mean, again, we saw this two years ago. Georgia is a runoff state. If nobody gets 50%, here's that Senate race. Raphael Warnock, Herschel Walker, Warnock leading, but nobody at 50. If nobody cracks 50, it's a, de- a December 6th runoff could have control of the Senate on the line. They did have a debate last Friday. We're waiting to get a readout from some polls. Haven't really seen it yet, if that changed anything there. Real quickly, the governor's race is interesting because it doesn't look like people are at least telling pollsters they're going to vote straight down party lines. We thought this type of voter was extinct, the split ticket voter. But look (laughs) in Georgia, Brian Kemp, the Republican governor, pretty comfortably ahead outperforming the other Republican, Herschel Walker. What pollsters say they're seeing here is there's a suburban voter outside Atlanta who doesn't like Biden, doesn't like the Democrats, but also doesn't like Donald Trump. And, you know, Brian Kemp went to political war with Donald Trump and he survived. In that voter's eyes, Kemp's okay. Walker's got some convincing to do. We're going to be spending a lot of time together, Steve Kornacki, as we get close to Election Day. Thank you so much. Folks, that's why the... And again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. That's one of the reasons why. Now, I attended that uh, Congressional District 2 debate last night at Channel 12. And excuse me, at uh, URI. The Channel 12 debate is tonight. But that is why Seth Magaziner, his entire campaign is... His entire campaign is seemingly built around abortion. That's all he talks about. All he talks about is abortion. So I want to play, um, I think Channel 12 has a piece where they're pumping that they have the, uh, that they have the debate tonight. Um, and, and again, I'm anxious to see how Mayor Fung, uh, Seth Magazine, I'm telling you, the guy's pretty disciplined. We'll see how effective he can be. Go face to face in a live 12 news. All right. I thought it was like a piece or something. They didn't do that. So no one did a piece on the fact that they debated last night. That's interesting. You know, I, I don't let me think. I don't did I I don't think I saw Channel 10. I didn't actually didn't see Channel 10 or Channel 12 there last night. Let me just check, huh? All right, so no one. Boy, talk about if a tree doesn't, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it really make a sound? I mean, it it clearly then doesn't make a sound. I have a little bit though of 
last night's debate between Cranston Allen Fung in Seth Magaziner. And Magaziner is, um, I mean, he, he's, he's a real extremist. Yeah, I'll, I'll play. They had a, somebody else on the stage as well. I don't get that type of thing. Um, but I'm going to jump in just a, a little bit. It was towards the end a little bit. Rampant spending that's going on because more this is a last night's debate. Our pockets thing that's going out the door for our foods. Seth. A gallon of milk is up to almost five dollars. I Democrats went to go buy it. Social Maxier Lerner finished. They've been trying to cut look. it for the last eighty years, including your friends from Barnes and Smith, who have been and here. Seth, oh yeah, fear not happening. Let's get down to reality. Yeah, the reality yeah. is that Kevin McCarthy and Jason Smith have said the that they want to cut Social Maxier. Let him answer the question. Okay, I, am, I am trying to answer the question. And look, let's and move on. Let's, exactly. We're going we're to move on. Move on to a community question. Can, I just, can I just finish my thought before Please. I go on? But in all seriousness, when spending is this out of control, caused by, you know, the people that you support and want to dump. You know, think about that for a moment. You, Kevin McCarthy, and you, you want to. And Social Security. I mean, it's it's just all lies and falsehoods that this guy is doing, Magaziner. Let's hear a little bit more. Stop the legal counting of votes. And it was not even the action of Donald Trump who incited that violent mob. The most shameful actions that day were the more than 100 Republican members of the House of Representatives who went back into that chamber when there was still smoke in the air and the blood of police officers on the floor and voted to overturn the will of the people. It was a shameful day, and I cannot believe that I have to say this, but we should not have election deniers in charge of the House of Representatives, especially heading into a presidential election cycle. And Allen has made clear time and time again that his first vote would be to put Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan and election deniers in charge of the House. Now listen, I'm not talking about all Republicans here. As my time as state treasurer, I worked across the aisle to pass a historic school construction program, to pass a number of bills, including one good one uh, with a Republican lead sponsor to help Rhode Islanders with disabilities. And there were over 60 Republican members of the House who did the right thing and who went back and voted to certify the will of the people. So, Alan, you could vote for one of them to be the next Speaker of the House. But will you pledge right now that you will not vote for Kevin McCarthy or one of the election deniers to be in charge of the House of Representatives? I'm voting to replace the person that you support 100%, Nancy Pelosi. And this is where, you know, even your number two, Nancy Pelosi's number two, who's supporting you, Steny Hoyers, recognize I'm not extreme. But you want to lump me into that extreme, and it doesn't fit the mold. That's why people aren't believing your message. My message is about talking about what's on the minds of people in the district and in Rhode Island. And it's this cost of living crisis. Seth, are you going to let me finish, please? Please. It's about the economic crisis that the policies that you have supported for Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden that have crippled our economy. We're talking about what we're facing. Many of the people, not only in the audience, but in the district, across Rhode Island, facing a 47% electricity increase, 15% on gas. 
I just topped off my home heating oil tank, and it wasn't even empty. $850. I want to go down there to fight for many of the individuals in our backyards, like my mother, like every other mother and father that's on a fixed income across the district. Mr. That's Mr. what this election is about. Let me suck you there. We're, we're, we're shortly going to go to yeah. Bill Gilbert, but hang on, Mr. Magnus here. What, how do you respond to Mr. Fung's uh, view? Hang on a second. How do you respond to Mr. Fung's view that Democrats in Washington are largely responsible yeah. for mishandling the economy? But first of all, let the record show that once again he is committed to putting election deniers in charge of the House of Representatives heading into a presidential year. Listen. When it comes to the cost of living, I spend time all across the district, particularly in senior centers, and I hear from people the frustration. People are working hard and their incomes are not keeping up with their bills. And there's a number of things that we can do to crack down on inflation, help working people that I am prepared to support in Congress. I have called from the very beginning for suspending the gas tax, for expanding domestic energy production to increase supply and lower the cost of living. I have called for capping the cost of prescription drugs, which is killing seniors. Okay, we can get into this in greater detail. But there, is a, but there is a clear difference between the parties on this, right, which is that I have also said folks, time and Seth time Vegas again that if we really want to do the cost the of living, phone. we have to crack down on the price gouging that is happening oh, by the big oil companies ridiculous. and the pharma companies. Thank you, Mr. Magnuson. We're going to move, we're gonna move, we're gonna move on, Mr. Magnuson. We're going to move that on. Wrong, He's and I'm the only candidate that will call that out. Shut up. Bill Gilbert, there's a lot of dis dissatisfaction with what some people call the two-party duopoly, Democrats and Republicans. The kind of Now, this is the, um, the guy that I, I actually had him on the show, and I, I don't know. He, I don't know why he's running. He's running just because that's what he does. He runs. Um, I don't know what kind of effect. I don't know who would vote for him. I think, I don't know who would vote for him. I actually don't. I want to go back to um, the end of the McKee-Kalis uh, debate at Rhode Island College last week. I liked how... Um, there were parts of it that were pretty good. Kalis was tagging him. Ms. Kalis, we... It's not we, true. Hang on. Let me hear this. It gets, people, it gets young people and their families to school, and it gets them to the local supermarket to make sure that they can purchase... Okay, it's called the lightning round, Mr. McKee. Thank you. Um, <laughs> please, fair, that's fair. please finish this sentence. We should talk about a broader systemic failure by his administration. This is actually And so, so we can't have equity in one way and not in another when we talk about medical equity. Equity. But oh, I will say, E-A-C-A, Miss Kalis is going to veto that budget. She does not support it for the for the women that are on Medicaid and also state-funded abortions. Off her brief follow-up, there's doubt about whether there will be enough votes in the House of Representatives right. to pass the EACA. What will you do if that vote does not move forward in the House? I don't have any doubts on that. You don't? Just like, the, just, like the, just like the gun legislation that I stepped in and asked the Speaker and the Senate President to get that to my desk. And we worked on that. And it was good legislation. That's enough. And uh, it's keeping people safer in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, so just like that, I believe that uh, that is going to happen. Uh, and um, and I believe that I'm going to be working with the Senate President and the Speaker in a way that uh, is very um, collaborative. And I believe that that bill will get to my desk. I'm going to ask each of you about something that hasn't quite gone the way you had hoped or planned. Uh, starting with Mr. McKee, the truck toll uh, lawsuit. Um, 
was successful. Court ruled it was unconstitutional. You have decided to appeal. Is that throwing good money after bad and, and wasting taxpayer dollars that should just be written off at this point? No, it's not. Uh, right now, I, I think that it's the prudent thing to do is to appeal that. And um, as we build the case, which I believe we do have one, uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, see you know, where it brings us. But also, I want to make that very clear as you're talking about this, right? We're not going to tax cars, we're not going to toll cars, and we're not going to toll any additional trucks. So on the merit of the, what was passed in the General Assembly, we'll argue that, and then, we'll and then we'll determine where we go from there. I will reopen the budget this year with the $30 million of lost revenue and ask the General Assembly to, to fill that with the surplus, the excess surplus dollars that came in, $200 million, by the way, to make sure we keep our infrastructure going. $91 million in roads. Again, this is important to your question why you would pursue it right. $500 million in road construction, $100 million of the surplus we applied for $400 million of infrastructure money from the federal government. We're going to do $500 million. This is the record. This is my record. $100 million of improvements going on right now. $500 million there. We're down to 17% of our bridges that are, that are somewhat in, in jeopardy. We'll be down to 10% of those in three years. We're not going to abandon... And Ms. Kalis, what's your response? Yeah, I mean, he's going... It's bad law, and he's going to tax or toll cars. And if he's not, um, I think that he needs to take down the gantries. He also, what I would like them to say, I know he should, because the reality is he will continue to need revenue. The reality is... I would say you're going to appeal it, something that was unconstitutional, on what basis? On what basis? I'll you want to answer? You're, you're, you're you the want governor. Do you want to answer her? I don't think either one of us is an attorney. I'll, I will base that on what the attorneys are telling us. Do you right know which now, clauses right of the Constitution we, it, it was? Right now, we will yeah. appeal. We are going to keep that program going because that infrastructure is a With all due respect, you're the governor. Critical, if you're appealing it, you should critical. know what, on what basis you're appealing an unconstitutional law. Ms. Kalis, when you left Florida in 2021, 20, uh, you were fighting with Monroe County about rental violations with your property and accusing officials there of having retaliatory motives against you. Within a year, here in Rhode Island, you were fighting with the Department of Health over your contract, accusing them of wrongdoing. Is it fair to say that this is a pattern, that you don't get along I, with people who don't give you your way? No. What I would say is what is a pattern is I will fight what, for what is right every single time. I am not afraid to tell truth to power and to fight for the working people. That is what I did in Monroe County. I was fighting for working people after a hurricane. County officials had the nerve to try to uh, charge building permit fees on insurance money for hurricane victims, similar to him taxing PPP money for business owners. So I will fight to ensure that any measures from a government that are regressive and hurtworking people will be stopped. And same but that wasn't what the fight over the, with the officials was. Or they accused you of, viola of violating yeah, I mean, laws about short-term rentals, which is a big issue here. Well, you so asked why about, did you break the So I, you asked about why I talked about retaliation. So within a week of me being very public and open uh, with a house that was not uh, available because it was uh, really uh, destroyed by a hurricane, all of a sudden that happened. And by the way, those officials knew that the house was not actually there because they inspected it because that's what they do after a hurricane with FEMA. So they knew. The other thing is, so, no, I would say that you need, we need a leader. Somebody that will fight what, for what is right. Somebody that will stand up for things that they see are wrong, especially, 
if the people that are being impacted do not come from a place of privilege and cannot Mr. always McKean, what do you see in her in, in her so what I what I say is the it does it's a, I'm glad you brought up the point because the reason that Ms. Kalis came to the state of Rhode Island is because of money and she uh, I bailed you out and she and she from vaccinations uh, I think we were we were well on our way uh, at that point in time you were in March you hired so, me in April so it was the, the best decision you've so, made so the reason and and Miss Kalis and Miss Kalis paid herself more money in a week than an average Rhode Islander makes in a year that is the truth more money in a week than the average Rhode Islander makes in a year. I she paid for the money. Let's, let's talk Leah Boer. She registered the vote. Okay. She declared the Thank you, Mr. McKean. Right. Moving on to Leah Boer, for those unfamiliar, that is an acronym for the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights. Starting with you, Ms. Kalis, should Leah Boer be repealed, reformed, or stay the same? I think it can be reformed. Any specifics? I think um, being more inclusive in terms of who's on the hearing and how long an officer can be suspended for would be important. The other thing that I think is important is making sure that police chiefs be a little bit more open in their communication because sometimes being silent is like being complicit, and I think we need to improve community relations in that way. Mr. McKee? I think you need to connect the community and the and the policing more, and the policing and the communities more. I've been very, very uh, clear on that. And I think that, yeah, the, the makeup of the, of the committee uh, is restrictive as it is right now so reform as well as the number of as, as well as the number of days that a suspension so it, it is it is open for reform and i think you're going to get there this year mr mckee the state has lacked a strategy for decades when it comes to the hospital landscape with both lifespan and care new england facing financial questions how should the state go about maintaining cost control and preserving quality care for patients well, I think that we're, uh, that it's important that we continue to have good health care. That's why we invested hundreds of millions of dollars, not only in the in the workers, uh, but also in the in the institutions themselves to make sure that we got through the pandemic. Number one was make sure that they got through. Uh, this year, we had put into the budget a a, a, a line item that is uh, assembling a, a, a group of, of people in the healthcare industry along with uh, people that are impacted by the health care uh, to help contain and lower the cost. So we have to kind of figure out a way to contain and lower the cost. And at the same time, understand- How would you, how would you do that? Well, one thing we're doing right now, we've, we've upped the, uh, the, um, the reimbursement rates considerably, right? Uh, All right, folks, so you get the idea. I'll, I'll say this, <clears throat> again, that was, um, that was the gubernatorial debate from, from last Thursday. Now, right now, it's 147 on this Tuesday afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. I think uh, as a result of, of last week that the McKee people have decided they want to as I've said, I heard, let's, let's take the air out of the ball a little bit. Let's Let's limit appearances. They're trying to get a handle on this test score fiasco of which it's a self-inflicted wound by the governor. I, do I think a lot of people fully understand it? No, but I'll tell you, the media understands when someone is standing up there and not being truthful with them. Ashley Kalis has put out, Rhode Island principals have had these test scores for weeks and yet Governor McKee says he hasn't seen the results. What, what do they talk about during their twice-weekly meeting? 
it, it, it does. And, and that is a self-inflicted. He's the one that opened the door on that whole thing. Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, he's the individual that opened the door of the whole thing of I am the education governor and I'm the guy that blah, blah, blah. He's the one that that opened on that. Folks, this portion of our program is brought to you by AtMed Urgent Care. Now, the next time you have an emergency, if you would like to drive to the emergency room and wait there for some time, and it can be several hours. That, that's your prerogative. I implore you to do what I have done, which is visit AtMed Urgent Care. 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnson is one location. Their other location is 5750 Post Road in East Greenwich. And at AtMed Urgent Care, they specialize ambulatory medicine. Diagnostic treatment services are available. Immunization, school and sports physicals, cost-efficient healthcare alternative, hospital-based emergencies, diverse, wide-ranging at Med Urgent Care, they can handle walk-in routine urgent care or work-related injuries. Maybe someone you work with is injured at work. Minor surgical, orthopedic, and trauma. They also do adult vaccinations. And if someone has COVID, like Lieutenant Governor Matos, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. At Med Urgent Care, it's the alternative to emergency rooms. Med Urgent Care. Right now it's 1.50, 10 minutes before the top of the hour on this Tuesday, October 18th. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Stop in and see them. There they are, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Well, that's, you can dine in the dining room, full bar, large dining area. Also, the outside deck, delicious food, great drinks, great crowd, family-owned and operated local business at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Now, I want to just check some of the uh, other news of the day, so to speak. The um, All eyes will be on this. Uh, this is a big debate tonight. Steve Scalise, by the way, is coming into Boston next week, I, this, this month, I think. To raise money for Mayor Fung. I saw someone um, reporting that earlier. I'm looking at the Drudge Report. Dems fear peaked too soon. 63% chance. Abortion or inflation? Real clear politics predicts Republican majority. Some other headlines. Tom Brady losing more than just his cool. Whoa. Break silence on personal life. Let's make a deal. Home buyers flock to Florida cities devastated by hurricane. Um, hmm, Fox executives hunt down video leaker. Somebody leaked what was being said with Tucker Carlson and Kanye. Let me see this. Uh, Fox are full freaked out about the never eared clips of Tucker interview with Kanye. They're closing in on the mole, who was the source of the embarrassing breach. Because he he interviewed Kanye West. He said some pretty disturbing things. He said some anti-Semitic things. Um, Unaired snippets leaked. So let me see. They may close in the leak, and now it's almost a week. The last time the network dealt with a major video breach, 
It is it found and escorted the leaker, O'Reilly's associate producer, out of the building in less than 24 hours. This new leaker learned from my mistakes, said Joe Mudo. The main reason I caught is I wasn't covering my digital trail particularly well. They're doing a better job than I have that they haven't been found. What is uh, Tom Brady? <clears throat> Tom Brady breaks silence on personal life, compares NFL season to war. As Giselle Bungeon divorce rumors circulate. He's been struggling to focus on his personal life during the NFL season. Feels like it's going to war. Um, where did he open up on it? Oh, he was speaking on the Let's Go podcast with Kevin Durant. Told the NBA so he finds it hard to focus on his personal life during the NFL season because it's like being deployed to the military. Tries to focus on a playful balance with the work balance, but the competitiveness takes over. I've said, I almost look at a football season like you go away on deployment for the military. And it's like, man, here I go again. The, re- the reality is you only, you really only be authentic to yourself. Whatever you may say, oh, man, I want you to know, make sure I spend a lot more time doing this. The reality that comes down to your competitiveness takes over. You know, <clears throat> I'll, I'll say... Um, I'll say this about, about Brady is he, I think he identifies. I mean, he was, what was Tom versus time? If you want to give up, if you want to beat me, you got to give up your life because I've given up mine. This past weekend, you know, Friday night, why did he go to Kraft's wedding? What was that all about? Why is he, um, and then he missed the Saturday walkthrough. Supposedly he was in New York wanting to spend time with his son. If you want to do those things, fine. But then he was having a meltdown on the sidelines. Um, They're saying that she was unhappy, his decision to come out of retirement. He still wants to play. She's been living away from the family home in Tampa, has been present at Buck Games. He took a family trip to the Caribbean with Giselle during the break. First family holiday in two years. And the couple then went to the Hamptons to celebrate his son's Jack's birthday. So, he, here, where, where I, uh, Brady, massive meltdown. Um, Steeler fans taunt Brady, save Savage Giselle Banner. <clears throat> he, um. I think he recognizes that in order to be as successful as he has been, that he's got to be all in. He's got to be going full commitment with no distractions. And folks, when you're married and you have children, plus then he has his son, Jack, There's going to be distractions. There's a big difference between 30-year-old Tom Brady, had the girlfriend, and now 45-year-old Tom Brady, who's dealing with a wife that wants him to quit football and everything that goes with it. Let me say this. Refusing to bend. Brady and Butch and friends hate his handling of alleged issues. All right, I'm not going to get too much into this, folks, but when was that? October 13th. Um, the guy is committed to football, 
to the TB12 brand that he has built with his business partner, Alex Guerrero. And I don't, I don't see anything veering off that. Now, as you heard, if you heard our first hour today, we, with Donna Perry, we talked about the Massachusetts governor's race. And obviously, I like Jeff Deal. Um, I'd like to support Jeff Deal, but I, I think he needs more matchups. He needs more debates so people can see just how different they are. We also, I want to quickly sneak this in. Tom Brady's message rings hollow after Buck's shocking loss to Steelers. That was a bad loss. 20 to 18. Tampa Bay's three and three. They couldn't get, they didn't get a touchdown. His anger boiled over. TV cameras caught him chewing out his offensive lineman. Said the problem is execution. This is an execution game. You either make a play or you don't. There's too many plays we're not making. He's not wrong, but his message rings hollow. After he skipped the Saturday walkthrough in team meetings. Struggling Bucks and a distracted Brady are where we begin the week six review. Brady wasn't asked after Sunday's loss if he regretted the team's function so he could attend Kraft's wedding in New York. The coach was asked, had any impact? He said no, he didn't miss anything. He had a full week of practice. But it's hard to take him serious about execution when he's missing meetings in game prep 24 hours before kickoff. <clears throat> Brady had his full complement of receivers Sunday. He was facing a steal of defense. He was missing its top three cornerbacks. But Brady completed 25 of 40 passes. Trouble connecting with his two big playmakers. Six for 12, Chris Goodwin and Mike Evans only four times. No question, the Bucks have major issues on the offensive line. Um, in a vacuum, missing a, a meeting and a walkthrough wasn't a big deal with someone who's experienced yet. It's another sign he's dealing with. He has one foot in, one foot out with the Bucks, And they have to just accept it. Week six was a tough one for Aaron Rodgers. Looked dejected. 27-10 loss to the Jets. Packers had one touchdown. A lot of simple mistakes. Folks, I, I, I mean the two of them. The other one is the best quarterback in the NFL, I think right now, is the quarterback of Buffalo. That guy. Did you see him running? He jumped over someone trying to tackle him, Josh Allen. I mean, that guy can move. I think he's, right now it looks better than Patrick Mahomes. He is an elite quarterback. All right, it's 159. Folks, it's the John DePietro Show. Thank you for listening. Now, I will be doing Facebook Live later as kind of a lead-up to the Congressional District 2 debate. I will say that Cranston Mayor Allen Funk, he needs to have a good night. Last night was a little bit of a warm-up, but I think both of them are going to pour it on a little bit more tonight. I want you to stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. In the meantime, enjoy this Tuesday. WNRI Winsocket.